Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. Look, uh, turn with me, will you, if you've got your Bibles with you, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse Eight. We're going to read the story of the shepherds and how they heard of Jesus Christ. It says here, now there were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, but behold, I bring good, you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, you've got these shepherds, and they're in the field, and they're just passing the time of day. They've been doing it for years They've been doing it for decades, generation upon generation. One shepherd is probably um, the the son of another shepherd. And and so over all of these years, and and for all of these years they've been, I'm sure they would have had many events that would have taken place uh, in the field, particularly at night time. And they would have experienced uh, wild animals, crazy people, um, guys drunk late at night on the way home gotten lost um, particularly at Christmas time and uh, so <laughs> and uh, and just all of the kind of events that happen at night time um, when the lights are turned down low people just stuff happens doesn't it and so these shepherds they would have experienced um, all kinds of crazy stuff but this night is a night that kind of takes the biscuit. This is the one that that wins hands down as the most craziest thing to happen to anyone uh, that uh, in the history of man, angels turn up to shepherds and tell them that the Christ has been born. And suddenly these, the drudgery and the the boringness of, of just sitting out at night, their lives are changed from drudgery to hope, from from just that monotony of daily living has been transformed into an amazing experience and a discovery that the Christ has come. And when the angel came and he said the Christ, we often, Jesus Christ, we, we, it's a name that's used more probably in the world than in the church even. It's like just people say Christ all the time. And, but they've no idea what it means. Most people think it's just his surname. It's Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, uh, but Christ isn't his surname. It's, it's a statement of his office. It's a declaration of who he is. If Jesus had a surname, it would have probably been something like David or Joseph. As in, the, in times past, you, you were generally, your name was your father's first name or um, a reflection uh, in that, well, certainly in Europe it would be a reflection of the work that you did. That's why we all have names that are reflective of our, uh, the, our sort of parents' work or where they used to live. 
My name is a, a Sassanac name, and it just basically means we lived on a house on top of a hill. Great, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it could have been Loton, I suppose. That would have been worse. Uh, Upton's all right. And uh, <laughs> we just live up somewhere. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Downton Abbey. And uh, so <laughs> the uh, and so you know Jesus. He gets. He doesn't get a surname. He gets an office. He's born with an office. And these shepherds, they would have known when, when the Christ is declared, something would have shifted and changed in their lives because a baby has been born who holds an office that is far more supreme than any other office that's been held in the nation of Israel since the beginning of time. The Christ has been born. The Christ literally means the anointed one. Someone has been born who is anointed. Now, in the days of Israel, um, there were three um, types of anointing that you could have. You could have uh, a king would be anointed and a king would rule in that anointing. You would have a priest and a priest would be anointed and the priest would minister to the people and then a prophet would be anointed and a prophet would minister from God to the people. You had three types of people who were anointed. I spoke last week about the anointing, what that meant, that in the days of old, it was actually an old shepherd, um, shepherd um, process. It started that they would pour oil on sheep's head and it would go into the ears and it would soak, it would soak their head and go into the ears and it would stop the ticks and the bugs uh, and all of the types of insects that could cause disease, it would stop them from getting into their ears. Um, and so it would create protection. Um, and it was a preparation. And so the word anointing became known and, and as something which was quite profound in its um, place of office. And so when God um, institutes the ministry of priests and prophets and kings, he says they must become anointed. They must have oil poured over them so that they are ready to do the work. So that the, the, so that the enemy can't get into their lives. So that they are set apart for the job. They're anointed. They're, they're not now vulnerable. They're now anointed. And so Jesus is born and the angel says to the shepherds, the Christ. Now they knew the Christ meant the anointed one. But they hadn't, the, the, the realization, and just in that early, that sort of, in that night, and, and just maybe the mist was hanging on the ground, and, and you know that when, like, someone's put the car headlights on. I just imagine it looked like that, you know? And, and it was the, uh, the angels uh, with his headlights on full main beam. It's like, put it on dip, put it on dip, I can't see anything. And... And here you've got these, these angels and just the glory of God shone. And, and in that shining around these, these shepherds, their brains are slowly turning over. A baby has been born, but that baby is the Christ. Suddenly the, the brain starts to twig as it begins to think, hang on a sec. If the Christ has been born, then, then everything changes. Because, you see, they were looking, they were under 
Roman rule, they were looking for some kind of release. They were looking for someone to set them free. But that someone, they were looking at man, that man, they could be a, a, like a king type person, a ruler who would lead the people away. They could have been a prophet who would speak powerful words from God and, and, and they could have led the people away. And they, or they could have been a priest who would minister before the people and, and set the people free. But Jesus was all of these things. And all of these ministries... Our ministries, we got to understand when Jesus was born, he came to be a king. He came to be a priest and he came to be a prophet. And you know, you know, so often in our lives, we look at people um, who maybe if you follow football, everyone's looking for a, uh, a football manager and they want their manager to be the man who's going to lead them into victory and, and who's going to, who's going to, see them when we moved up into Aberdeen we moved up in 95 and uh, Aberdeen was still at that point they were still going on about Aberdeen's an amazing team I mean it wasn't but they were going on about how it was an amazing team uh, just because of the days of um, Alex Ferguson and uh, Alex Ferguson had, had put such a stamp on Aberdeen that that um, you know they felt like they were a bigger club than, than what they were at that time and then ever since then, um, they've been sort of looking for a man that would replace Alex Ferguson. I don't even know the name of the new manager, but he's doing all right. He's doing all right. And, and uh, who knows whether he'll ever be as successful as, as Alex Ferguson. But everyone is looking for a man, looking for someone that will help them out. That, and, but every time that you, you look for a man, the man will always let you down. Because no matter what he's gifted at, in everything else, he isn't gifted. So, you know, we all carry gifts in our lives, but we carry more inability than we carry ability. And so whatever, and, but we're always wanting that person to be the everything that's going to save the day. People are looking for political leaders to be the everything. Well, they're not going to find one. They're looking... Or um, some people are looking for relationships and they're looking for a, a spouse, looking for a wife or a, a husband that's going to be the everything that's going to save the day. It's going to make their life wonderful. And, you know, but they're not going to be that person because they can't be. But when Jesus was born, he was declared as the Christ. And the Christ is the everything. Yeah. Jesus is the everything because he is the king. He is the priest and he is the prophet. And the amazing thing about being a king is a king has authority. A king has um, power, has governance and rulership over our lives. And, and you know, I want you to understand that, that in all of our lives, there is this sense, this feeling of chaos that ensues around you. Doesn't there? This sense of chaos. That I, you have this feeling that you're trying to create order in the midst of chaos that stuff is happening you've got no control of. You're trying to get control of it, but there's a sense of chaos. But we, I want you to understand, when you give your life to Jesus, you give your life to a king who gives you leadership. A king who gives you governance. Governance is about the way your life is governed. It's the way it's led. It's that place of restraint. When you come, you li we live in the United Kingdom still do just about and uh, 
And we live in the United Kingdom. The United Kingdom is a kingdom ruled by a queen. Um, <laughs> getting it. And there is a governance of rulership. And that rulership is what protects us. And that rulership is what enables us to get up in the morning and go to work. It's what enables those, if you're, um, if you're sick, to get into a hospital and, and get treatment. It's what enables you to, to live secure. It's the governance that creates that. It's the governance that says if, if you've been, if something wrong has, has happened to you, then technically <laughs> that wrong should be righted. <laughs> That's the governance that creates that. If, 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 uh, um, if something has been stolen from you, then it should be returned or the person stolen it, who stole it who should, be, uh, should have to pay for that theft. That's governance. So there's rulership. The king has rulership over your life. And Jesus Christ is a ruler. He is a king that puts you into a kingdom, which means there is one who protects you when all else of chaos is going around you. And that's important because we can feel like we are victims to the circumstances of life around us. We can feel like that it's, things are just not fair. How many times have you woken up in the morning and gone, Why me? Why does this happen to me? Why does this happen? Well, I want you to understand, there is a king who governs your life. And that that government is a government of blessing. It's a government of authority. It's a government of power over every stronghold. Jesus came. He took rulership over the enemy. He took Satan. He put him under his feet. He did a bit of a dance. He squished his head. All his brains popped out all over the floor. It was a horrible mess. He utterly humiliated him. And Jesus came and he took authority over your life and he's given you governorship. He's governing your life to declare that your life is now blessed. That you're now free. You're free from the chaos that comes to control and dictate your life. How do you get free unless you've got a king who leads you into liberty? That's why he's our king. And the shepherds are sitting there going, you can see it beginning to dawn upon them. That is why when they came in, they shuffled in to the, into, the, um, into the manger. There they came in into the, the cow shed and down to the manger. And there is Jesus um, lying lying there in the manger and, and they come in and they all shuffle in and, and they smell of grass and, and sheep and goodness knows what else and, and, and they just smell and just like that, that outside aroma of people that have been outside too long you know and haven't had a bath for a while and here they are and they, they shuffle in and, and they get in and they've got that sort of slight awkwardness that embarrassment there's Mary she's just had a baby it's kind of like you know when you go to visit we, Cheryl and I often have the, the privilege of going to, to, to see people when they've just had a baby and sometimes we go in and we've been oh come and see us we've just had a baby and there they are they, like two hours ago you see there's the mum she's lying there like like you know and it's oh hi you look wonderful (laughs) what an amazing baby and there's this baby and it's like it's got a bright red face and oh isn't it beautiful and I I want you to know there's no such thing as a beautiful newborn it's just it just doesn't happen I know everybody says but my baby no your baby was ugly too listen I (laughs) 
I've seen some births and you know what? It's just not good. And so there is... There's... There's... It's okay, Matt. Robin. I nearly called you Mary. I did. Well, let's just hope it's not on Christmas Day, right? Yours will be different. And... And... I need to move on, don't I? I don't... Uh, I don't even know why I was saying that anymore. So here are the shepherds, and they're looking. They're coming in, and there's, sort of, there's this sort of slight awkwardness. I don't know whether I should be here. It's like stepping into someone's bedroom. It's like it's a personal space you don't feel comfortable with. Do you understand that feeling? It's like you, you, know, you know someone, you don't know them too well, um, but they say, oh, it's in the bedroom. And you're going in and going, hmm, this is personal space. Not really. I'm not comfortable with this. I want to get out as soon as I can. And so here are the shepherds, and they're in the space that's awkward. But there is this baby and they're falling to their knees because of this revelation that this child is the king. And he has governorship over their lives. That he's bringing rulership and authority. The authority that will break the strongholds that has ruined their existence. And God, he brought his son to give rulership over your life that you might know the king. And the Bible then says, um, it says of Jesus that he is also a priest. The Bible says in, in Hebrews, um, Hebrews uh, that um, I'm just quoting totally off my head now because I don't even have these written down. Hebrews uh, 9 and verse 11, it says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that... that uh, That is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Jesus was anointed to be a priest. And a priest is a man who is born to minister for the people toward God. A priest represented the, the people before God and stood before God and said, these are the people, these are their sins, these are their, their deeds, but this is the offering that they have brought. Please accept this offering, this sacrifice. And so the priest was responsible. And when Jesus was being um, crucified on the cross, at that same time, the high priest would have been sacrificing the lamb on the altar as Jesus was on the cross and he was declaring as Jesus was dying on the cross as the great high priest and the lamb he was declaring he's there and he was saying it is finished he wasn't just saying I've had enough he wasn't saying I've had enough he was declaring that it is finished it is done it is exactly the same time the high priest who was a 
who was a, a political appointment. He wasn't the genuine high priest. He shouldn't have been the high priest, but because of the political play, he became high priest. And here he is, and he's declaring in the, in the temple, it is finished. That is what they would say as they've sacrificed the lamb. They would hold out their arms and they would say, it is finished. But there was Jesus Christ hanging upon the cross. And he declares, because he is the high priest, he does represent you and I before God. When Jesus walked upon the earth, He declared His name. He wasn't known as the Son of God. He was the Son of God. He was called the Son of God. But He would declare to everyone, I am the Son of Man. Why would you speak to me? I am the Son of Man. He was the Son of Man representing all of mankind. And here He is a priest. And the the shepherds are looking at a baby. They're seeing a baby. The Christ. The Anointed One anointed. He's anointed king. He's anointed priest. And he's also anointed prophet. And the prophet was one who speaks from God to man. God would anoint prophets. The most famous, I think, of the Old Testament would be Elijah and Elisha. They're incredible stories of of, of great declaration of what God was doing, the redemption and healing and, and, and how Elijah and Elisha just brought such incredible strength into a nation of Israel at a time of great captivity. And yet here is Jesus and he is the prophet. And it says in uh, John, it says in John's gospel chapter, uh, um, Sorry, that was uh, John Gospel chapter 6. And it says, Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, Truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. And I want you to understand that um, when Jesus came, he came as the prophet. And the prophet comes to speak words of life. When Jesus came as a prophet, he changed the word. He changed the word. Because when God was speaking as a prophet to the children of Israel, when, Jesus, when the prophets were speaking before Jesus, they came with a word declaring how sinful they were. Because they were. There was no Christ. There was no redemption. There was no, there was no hope other than through by the law. And so the prophet would come to remind them how much they failed the law. But when Jesus came as the prophet... He came with a new covenant because he was the hope. And because he's the hope, the prophecy changed. The word from God changed. And so instead of being a word of a slap round the face, it came, became a word of encouragement. And the Bible says that prophecy is three things. It's exhortation, encouragement and comfort. That's what prophecy is. What is prophecy for us today? Exhortation encouragement and comfort. In other words, exhortation is, the word, is a word of directional lifting up, is to exhort someone, is, is, to, is to encourage them in a correctional manner. It's just say, you've done a great job, Brian. You, you know, you're an awesome engineer. You're an, you're an amazing man. But, and, and this is how you can improve. This is what you can work on. And so if God's speaking to Brian about his work, he speaks, he exhorts him to do more. 
He gives him direction. It's not just encouragement. Encouragement takes the heart and lifts someone who, whose, whose uh, fear, whose confidence has been lost. The Bible says, do not cast your confidence, do not cast away your confidence. In other words, don't lose the confidence that you have. How often do you feel like you lost your confidence? Do you feel like that you can't go out in the morning? Do you feel like that you've let yourself down? You've failed other people. You feel like a failure. You cast away your confidence before you even start the day. Your confidence is gone. But the Bible says that prophecy is there for encouragement. Encouragement comes and it replaces our confidence. It lifts us. And the final thing that prophecy is is that it's comfort. And comfort is there for when we're broken hearted, is there for when we, we have suffered loss, is there for when we are going through trial. And comfort comes along and it says, do not be afraid for I am here with you. And Jesus comes and he says, to, says he comforts the disciples before he says, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. I'm always going to be here for you. And see, Jesus He is lying here as a baby in the manger and these shepherds, their minds are beginning to turn over as they begin to see as they're bowing down to a king and they're worshipping a priest and a prophet and they're declaring, this child has governance over my life. This child is going to speak on my behalf. This child is going to speak into my life. You know what? Jesus is the everything. What else do we need than authority and leadership that we might have a place of great favor to live out our life? What else do we need but a man who will stand on our behalf and say, whatever he did, I'm taking responsibility for it. What else do we need but a man who will stand up and say, this is what God says to you. You're my precious son. You're my amazing daughter. This is what I am going to do through your life. This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. What else do we need apart from the words of encouragement, that the, the, the life that comes from the life of sacrifice given by Jesus Christ, the representation of what he's done as a great priest who's ministered on our behalf before God and a king who leads and governs us. That's why I want to say to you tonight, when we look at Christmas and we look at the shepherds as they come in, their brains, I mean their brains just flipped as they hear of the Christ who is laying in a manger right before them. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.